This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're back to last week's parasha, parasha Bahalaischa. Some um, interesting things that I saw this Shabbos. And it's something that um, we've been talking about for a very long time. Um, and it's been sent over from some very big tzaddikim. So I deal a lot with kids that um, have a lot of questions. Um, the last three weeks, four weeks, it hasn't stopped. Um, I don't want to really read my text messages. The last time I read it out loud, somebody who sent it to me, they knew who it was them, but no one else knows it was them, but they didn't weren't comfortable with it. But I would say in the last four weeks or six weeks, there's been a deluge of, it, my phone doesn't stop, a whole day of, of parents of kids that are just falling off the derech. And I guess it's the summertime and the end of the year time, but a lot of, I have a bunch of girls, a whole day tomorrow, I'm busy with girls um, and boys that don't believe in Hashem. Just coming out of very from schools, 10th grade, it seems to be a machlin 10th grade more than any other grade um, for some reason. But 10th graders, 11th graders, 12th graders, girls who came back from Israel, it's just like, they're, they're like, they have so many questions. In fact, I got a message from a girl, this, from a guy this week, it wasn't a girl, it was a guy this week. So his sister called me that she wants him to come to me. Um, he doesn't believe in Hashem. He totally, he's a total atheist. He doesn't believe in creation whatsoever. And she would like him um, to come speak to me. I said, um, okay, but how are you going to get him? You want him to come to me, or he doesn't want to come to me. Right? How are you going to get him to come to me? She said, no, if I tell him that he's gone to all the rabbis, if I tell him that, you know, you will need to listen to him. So I said, okay, a challenge. I'd love to meet him. She sent me a message. I'll only come to talk to you if after you give me the answer, I can give you a rebuttal. That's what he said. Okay? For all those that don't know what the word rebuttal means, it means to, in other words, you're going to say something and I'm going to try to prove you wrong. So, I said to her, I don't want to meet him. She goes, are you scared of his uh, rebuttal? I'm like, not at all. But if he was really coming to get the answer, how does he know that the answer I'm going to give him won't satisfy him? Why is he already, before he comes, he says, I'm only going to come to him if he, if after he gives me the answer, I can argue with him. That means you don't really want the answer because maybe I'll have the answer and there's nothing to argue. It means that I'm going to argue with him. If, you, if you're coming to, to, get, to ask a question, to get an answer, so then why do you need permission to argue with me? Wouldn't you be much happier if you got the answer to your question? Which means that you don't really want the answer to your question. I said, I'm not meeting somebody that Everything's coming out of my mouth. He's already going to question. He's, he's, not, he's not really coming for the answer. So, honestly, um, there's a lot of people listening to this. Honestly, I'm not going to say 100%, but probably 100% of our questions are because we don't really want an answer. It's not really a question. It's, I, if I believe in Hashem, then I can't act out the way I'm acting out. I can't do my tithes. Girls, food, drinking, drugging, 
all the stuff I want to do, not me personally, but I'm saying the person wants to do, um, if, if there's a Hashem, and, and I know that there's a Hashem, then I can't do that. So I don't, I don't want to know. I don't really want to know the answer. So anything you're going to tell me, Rabbi Walton, anything my parents are going to tell me, anything I'm going to learn, no, can't be. So they're, they're, this is the famous saying, their question is not a question. It's really an answer to the behavior. And footsteps say, oh, that's what every rabbi says. Footsteps, yeah, that's what they don't want to hear you really. They don't want to talk to you because they always say the same thing. Your question is your answer. But we really have questions. We really have big questions. And I'm like, I'm like come on. Come on. Yeah, if, you, if, if, you, if you have a, an IQ of one, IQ of one, okay, just a little bit above zero, you know that nothing can create itself. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to learn Torah. You don't have to be a masmid. This bottle didn't just happen. You know, my baggies in my, my little baggies, my sandwich baggies, didn't get together one night. And all the plastic got together and made a bottle and then somehow got water in it. And then somehow I got a little cap that closed it. What are you, what are you stupid? I mean, that's stupid. That's, that's brainless. Everyone knows that. A little child knows that. So, like, how could you say that that, that that you may not know the creator, you may not understand the creator, but we all know that somebody made this chair. There's no idiot in the world that's going to tell you that, that the chair just happened by itself. So a world, nature, what they call nature, and, and, and sunlight, and all the things that we learn in science, right, and, and, and water, and then how, rain, how does rain come, how does the earth spin at such an axis that there's nothing holding it up. It's just in the middle of space. How come all the planets are not falling like, like an asteroid, right? So we're not stupid. We, we know there's a creator. We don't understand maybe the creator is. We don't understand a lot of different things about the creator, but we know there's a creator. So when, I, when, I, when, a, when, a, when a guy in 10th grade and he, from yeshiva comes to me, and he's like, well, I don't believe it. No, the world just happened. You know, I'm like, what do you, you don't have an IQ of one? Uh, the bugs on the ground know that there's a creator. Like, how could you not know the creator? So there's a reason that you cannot have a creator. So you could say, I know there's a creator, but I don't have anything to do with him. Oh, it's a different parsha. It's a different parsha. All right. We can talk about that. Why don't you want to? Oh, I understand. So you, you'd think that this is like a new thing. Like the rabbis came out and like said, your question is your answer to your misbehavior. No, 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 no. This is so not a new thing. Last piece, Parsha. Mephirish, not a Rashi. Not Mephorshim, not a Medrash. The Pasuk. Okay? Listen to the Pasuk. So my question on last week's Parsha, right, my question, I had a very big question that I was working on. I didn't get it in the Tuesday night chair because I was really working at, after the Tuesday night chair. I was away for Shabbos and I was speaking and I, I was trying to figure out something and it really bothered me very much. In last week's Parsha, my man, my main man in the Torah, seems to have fallen apart. Seems to have totally lost it. Sometimes what happened to him, I think about it in my head a little bit, and I really want to do it, but I don't do it. And he was Moshe Rabbeinu. He was in Shemaya for 40, 40 days with, by holding on to the Kisi Yaakovot. Lost it. Fell apart. Totally. Listen to the Pasuk. What does he say to Hashem? They come to him, they come to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they're crying. They want meat. We don't want money anymore. We want meat. 
So in Pasuk Yud Aleph, Rishon Ben says, I, "I don't know what's going on here, Hashem." The whole Christ was coming to me, right? They're getting the towel, they're getting the they're getting the mun, and now they come to him and, and they're complaining. They want meat. I don't want mun. I don't want mun. I want meat. I want to feel that steak between my teeth. I don't. Don't give me no cracker that tastes like meat. I don't want a cracker that tastes like meat. I want a rib steak. I want to be able to crunch off the bone, suck the marrow out of the bone. You can't suck the marrow out of a. You know what I mean? I want grieving. I want, you know, crunch, crunch, crunch. The mun didn't, well, it did crunch because it was really a wafer, but eh, I don't want to, I don't want something, right? Even though you didn't go to the bathroom if you ate mun, you didn't have to go to the bathroom because there was no, there was no waste in the months. They didn't go to the bathroom for 40 years. It sounds painful, but no, they didn't have to. They didn't have to go to the bathroom because it had no waste. In Kabbalah, we're not going to get too deep into this, but why does it, why did Hashem create a body that has waste? What do, you, what do you have waste? It sounds like when you eat food, you should be able to use every part of the food. So the, 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 the parts that are not essential to your body goes to the dark side. Okay, we're not going to get to the whole thing. But that's why there's waste. So you eat a fruit, you make a bracha, your body takes all the way to take But what goes into the toilet, the reason you can't daven, where there is, right? Let's say it doesn't even smell, it's dry, whatever. You don't, that, 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 that's theirs. That goes to them. So, when God created the world, there's a, there's a you know, there's a cheshben in, in, in everything. But the man, it came from Shemayim, so there was no part that went to them. You have to go to the bathroom. Okay? So, they wanted meat. Is that the end of the world, guys? Yeah, I can hear it. You go to space, right? They have these wafers that they eat when they're in space. It tastes like other foods. But you get sick of it. You get sick of it. In the army, my father was in the army, so he used to tell me, they used to get K-rations, they were called. Called K-rations. But after a while, you want real food. Just want real food. You, want, you don't want inconvenience that has all the stuff that you need. You want real food. So it's not... So in my head, I was like, number one, what? I understand it's not a nice thing. They're getting mun. But I could understand. I don't know what the mun tasted like, but... Once in a while, a good rib steak. You know what I'm saying? Some lamb, lamb uh, ribs over there with the oil in your mouth. It, it didn't have any of that stuff, right? Moshe Rabbeinu flipped that. They didn't take. They didn't want to take this from their animals. They didn't want from their animals. They could have taken from their animals. They didn't want from their animals. They don't want to use their animals. So, look what happens. By Yishma Moshe as the Ombocha, right? They were all crying. And Hashem became very angry, and we're going to explain to why. This was, in Moshe Rabbeinu's eyes, this was bad. I don't think it says in his eyes the ego was bad. If you look back, I didn't check, but in my head and my memory, they did a big avera, but it doesn't say that Moshe Rabbeinu said, Right, Ubi Moshe Ra, and that was Avoy Dezara. Okay, we're gonna exp- I'm going to explain to you why this is so bad. But Yom Moshe Hashem, Why did you do this to me? Now, who are we talking about? We're talking about the leader of Klai Yisrael. Talking about Mitzrayim, they didn't stop complaining. It's not the first time they complained. Why did Mitzrayim to, to, to die in thirst? My Mara, they, they needed to water. They were always complaining. 
This is not something new. All of a sudden, Moshe Beinu is totally falling apart. Why did you do such a bad? Why did you like? Why don't you like me anymore? You know what's going on over here? And I'm learning this. I'm like, what's going on over here? Hashem, why don't you like me anymore? To put the heavy weight of this nation on my shoulders. He never said that ever before. Egel, all their complaints after the after what's it called in this week's Pasha after the Miraglim. All of a sudden, he's like, "How can you do this to me? You don't like me, Hashem? I'm not Matzasi Chain in your eyes anymore." Did I give birth to them? That that you said to me, that I got to carry them? Do I have to nurse them? What's going on here? May I only sir? Where am I going to get meat from? He seems to be unraveling. And then he says, That's it, I'm done. I'm not much of a Many times I've thought that I can't do this no more. I can't. I, I can't handle this anymore. I can't carry so much on my shoulders. Moshabeno doesn't talk like that. He covered me many. They are heavier than I am. The load that, I, that, that I'm going through right now is too big for me. I can't handle it. You guys all read this. I'm sure you were uh, mob of the Sedra last week. If you're going to do this to me, you're, you're going to do this, what you're doing to me, Hashem? And I got to deal with these people? Hogani, no, kill me. How did you, you guys learn this falsely? Moshe Ben was telling Hashem, if you're going to make me do, carry them anymore, kill me. Like yeah, sounds like Yonah, exactly. Kill me, but he's not running away. If you really like me, you like me, Hashem? Kill me. And don't watch me suffer. Guys, how did you learn this last week? We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, not Zach Wallerstein. I don't talk like this. Like, kill me, I can't do this anymore. What happened to him? What happened to our leader? Too much, I can't do it. You really like me? Kill me! That's heavy stuff. Nobody ever said that before him or after him. Not David Amalek, nobody. What happened to Moshe Rabbeinu that triggered such a reaction? No. Now let's go back. That's part of it, but that's not. Let's go back. Let's go back to Pusik Dalit. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. To before they came and complained, the Pasik tells us exactly what I told you before. It's not something new. Pasik Dalit. The ha safsuf his avu taiva. And the mob, the group of Egyptian converts of the Erivrav, among them, who had left the Mitzrayim with the Jewish people, the Rav had strong cravings. They had taiva. And therefore, they brought that to Klai Yisrael. So the Jews also started to cry. Who is going to give us to eat? So the whole complaint, okay, was not because they had questions. It was because they had taiva. And I have to tell you that the story with my Rebbe, Rebbe Gamliel, 
which I was very shocked. I was very shocked. I did not expect that answer. There was a girl that I was dealing with, not Ornava, nothing to do with Ornava. This is even maybe before Ornava. There was a girl that I was dealing with who wanted to become a boy. She wanted to become a boy, and she had to have operation. She had to do hormones. She had to do a whole bunch of stuff. And she was a very religious girl. It doesn't make any sense what I'm saying, but that she was. And she wanted a heter from, from, from a rabbi. And she happened to have been in Eretz Yisrael. And she felt that she was born with a boy's neshama. And she couldn't live in a girl's body. And it was a whole thing. She knows that she's really the neshama of a boy. And she can't live in a girl's body. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I happened to have been in Eretz Yisrael. I felt a little bit bad for this person. He, she, she was very, in a lot of pain and whatever it was. I said, you know what? You think you have a voice in the Shama? Let's go talk to Rabbi Gamaliel. So I talked to Rabbi Gamaliel, and I'm figuring he's going to go in the Shama. I don't know what he's going to say. And she says, she's a girl, and she says, you know, I'm in the middle of doing changes. I'm taking hormones. Soon I'm going to have a beard and this and that, whatever. Whatever she was telling him, and Rabbi Gamaliel is interviewing listening. And she says, I want a heter from the Rav to do this. And he looks at her and he says, you're a Baltaiva, and this is all about Taiva, and get out of my house. And she, was, she looked at me like, like, she didn't expect that answer, I didn't expect that answer. He goes, it's all from Taiva. Don't give me, you have an Hashem of a boy, girl, this, all that. He said, it's all Taiva. You want to be, be, be a boy because you want to be with girls. And he says, it's all Taiva. And I'm like, give me your head there and get out of my house. And I don't ask. I had to deal with her after that, whatever it is. But what, what he was saying is that, that you see in the beginning of this, of this Pusik, it's a very important Pusik in a lot of different realms that I'm not going to get into tonight because I don't need two million emails coming to me. But the Pusik is very clear that this whole thing about fish because there's a very big question here. They start screaming at Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And they said, We remember the fish that we ate in the Trium, for free. We had fish for free, and watermelon, and, and cucumbers, and all this other stuff. And Rashi says, what are you talking about? Rashi says, you didn't have anything for free. They didn't even give you free straw to make bricks. They didn't even give you free fish. It's an open lie. What are you saying, Rashi says? What are the Jews saying to Moshe Rabbeinu? Free fish. If they ever gave you fish. But it definitely wasn't free. They didn't give you straw for free. So Rashi asks, what are they talking about here? So Rashi answers, they weren't talking about money. They said, in Mitzrayim, we didn't have the Torah. So it, if you, it didn't matter whether you were a tzaddik or a rasha. You always were given for free. In other words, there was no mitzvah. So you ate for free. You didn't have to earn it. It was free. It was free. Bad people had it. Good people had it. It didn't make a difference. There was no Torah. We want to be free. Says Rashi, says, says the Sifri, one second. They have the money now. They're complaining, right, that they want meat and they want all this other stuff. And their complaint is based on that right now, to get food, you have to be a tzaddik. You have to do the right thing. You do the right thing. I shall give you food. You do the wrong thing. I shall give you food. So the Sufi says that's not true. Because the man, everybody got. Even if you were the biggest Russia, you got the man. 
How do you know? Dustin Vaviram, who are the two biggest Rishon and Klaistro, by far, it says that they got um, mon on Friday, and then they took it out on Shabbos morning. That's why the birds came and ate it. That's why we give the birds to, to eat, right? So we see that Dustin Vaviram got mon, and they were Rishon. So it's the same thing that it was in Mitzrayim. Bad people, didn't matter whether you were good or not, or you kept the mitzvahs, you didn't keep the mitzvahs. Hashem gave you money anyway. So what are they complaining about? No, it didn't matter. It was far away, but they got it. So what are they complaining about? It says the Me'iri, no, you did. Bob Chirev brings this whole thing down. It says the Me'iri that, no, the money wasn't free. Well, it wasn't money free. It had rules. You couldn't leave it overnight. It became rotten. And of Shabbos, you collected double on Shabbos. You didn't go out. The Jew said, no rules. We want our food. No brachas, no benching, no rules, no mitzvahs. It doesn't make a difference. We want everything for free. But the basis of it all was what word? What was the word that was used in the Pasuk before they complained? Taiva. All your questions and all your complaints were, ba- were based on taiva. Who gave you the taiva? Yeah, the Erev Rav. They told you. What, we don't have steak. We don't have food. They get, but you are Bali taiva. So all this stuff about you got stuff for free. And that, it's not what's going on here. And, and not only that, not only that, if you look at the Pasuk, listen to this, unbelievable. Pasuk Aleph, where it starts, it says, um kim And the nation was like complainers. Why doesn't it say they were complainers? They were complainers. What does it mean they were like complainers? And the answer is that they didn't really have a complaint. What they were complaining about the fish and that, that wasn't their complaint. They wanted to complain. They want to be an atheist. They want to have questions on God. Why? Because they have taiva. So they're not real complainers. The guy who's coming to me doesn't want the answer. He's not a misoining him. He's kim misoining him. He's like a complainer. You're not really a complainer. You don't really have a complaint. Oh, you're like a complainer. But you don't really have a complaint. You don't really have a question. You're like having a question. You're like, you're like a person who has a question. But you're not a person with a question. You want to get rid of God because you want to do whatever you want to do with a girl, whatever you want to do. I don't know what you want to do, right? But whatever you want to do, and I sometimes broke it down and found out what they wanted to do. So you have to get rid of God. So the whole thing over here, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I cannot deal with this. This is not real. In Mara, you were thirsty. You didn't have a Muna. You said, we're thirsty. You took us out of a triumph to die of thirst. That's a real complaint. That's a real complaint. It's not based on Taiva. You need water. When you came out of a triumph and you were attacked, you said, oh my gosh, we left the triumph to die by the Pushtim? You took that good complaint. Even we'll talk a little bit tonight. About, even by the Moraglim, right? They also wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was made up. It's always made up. Why did the Moraglim come and complain so much? Anyone here know? They were tzaddikim. Were they big tzaddikim? The minute they walked in, they're not. They're not in the museum anymore. So it's not the question on the giants. How are we going to capture Israel? Because you know that God took you through with triumph and had no problem wiping them out. So you're not scared of the giants. No. 
But you had to have, you had to come back to the Jews with some kind of complaint to shake them up. Because you don't want to lose your job. So, so, so all your reports are false. They're all based on what, what's really going on behind the whole situation. I never had a kid that came to me that really doesn't believe in God and really has real questions. Because he'd be sitting and learning 24-7 to find that answer. None of these guys ever came to my office and said, and I said to them, okay, you have a question on Hashem and creation? I want you to go to Yeshiva for the next 10 years in Eretz Yisrael. I want you to learn every Sifrei Musa, Sifrei Kabbalah. I want you to finish Shas. I want you to really look into Judaism, understand what it is, understand who Hashem is, learn Derech Hashem, right? There's a lot of Tzvarim. And then come back to me with your questions. <laughs> They're out of my office, baby. The girl's waiting in the car. They're not going to learn. They're not going to figure it out. They're going back to their taiva. They're gone. The Gemara, the Gemara, beautiful, unbelievable Gemara. It says that by Matan Torah, the world was shaking. When Hashem gave the Torah the first time, the world was shaking. So all the Goyim got very scared and they ran to their man. Their man was Bilam. He was their leader. They ran to Bilam and they said, oh my gosh, you're the Navi, you're our prophet. It's God destroying the world. The world was shaking. God destroying the world. So Bilam said, no, it's a Gemara. Bilam said, no, God swore he would never destroy the world. But these guys know how to learn. So they said to Bilam, God said he'll never drown the world underwater. But this is not water. The world's shaking. Who says he's not going to destroy the world this way? They were very scared. They left their bars, their TVs, their movies, everything behind. They ran to Bilam. Their internet, cafes, everything. So Bilam said, don't worry. He said, this is his lashon. Bilam, the worst guy, the worst lowlife. This is what he told all the Goyim. He says, don't worry. God's not destroying the world. Right now, he's giving his children his most prized possession, which is the Torah on Hasinai. And that's what's causing the world to shake. Says the Gemara, they said, oh, Baruch Hashem, Hashem's not destroying the world. They went back to the bar. They had drinks. They went to the movies. They went to their women. They went wherever they were going, doing before. They went right back to everything. So the so Chazal asked, I don't understand. Your leader, your guy, your prophet is telling you that God is giving his children his most prized possession. Why didn't they all become Gerim? He said it himself. Right? Why did he become a Gerim? He said it himself. The answer is, they, yeah, they had their tithers. They had a question, right? And the minute it was like, not, he's not destroying me? I'm out of here. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to learn, what is that Torah? What is he giving? They're not interested. Because it's not really a question. It's not really a question. The question was just, am I going to die or not? You're going to tell me I'm not going to die? I'm not interested. This whole thing, that, that, people, that, rabbi, that, that people say that your question is, is your answer to your behavior, is this is last week's parasha. The Torah tells us, no, like Rabbi Gamliel said, no, it's a taiva. All this stuff that's coming afterwards, fish, watermelon, you took us out to die. No, 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 says the Torah. There's no questions here. This is baloney. All this stuff is baloney. That pusik. They gathered together. They wanted to have taiva. They wanted to feel the meat between their teeth. So they came up with complaints. They weren't real complaints. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't deal with that. It's not real. I can deal with real complaints. Until now, I got real complaints. It took us out to die. It looks like that. 
That's real complaints. This wasn't a real complaint. This was a setup. You had a taiva, and you, and this whole thing that you came to me, you said, Kishbaku, why are you doing this to me? These people don't have questions. These are the guys that are walking into Wallstein just saying, I'm an atheist, give me an answer, but I don't want to answer. I already want to, I already want permission that I'm going to argue with whatever you say. So, so, so what are you bothering me for? You even have an answer. And he goes, Vita. This is also very, it just happens to be very interesting because these answers is very much by what I live by and what I talk about all the time. So you know we talk about struggle muscle, right? I believe this is a Sifri. So, Moshe Rabbeinu was a leader who any, anything that a, um, that a Jewish person came to him with, he, he went through. And if you go through something, and this is what we talk about all the time, that we go through things in our life so that we understand them and we can help others, right? Which is, which is what I spoke about in the moment. I spoke about this a lot this week. Um, I'll tell you a story that I had with a girl this week. But So, he was able to help every Jew. Because he understood everything that they went through. What happened? They now came to him with a complaint. This is, I believe this is from a Sifri. They came to him with a complaint. It's in this Chumash. That they wanted fish. They wanted meat. They wanted the way it used to be. I cannot help them. I don't have a taiva for food. I was in Shemayim for 40 days and didn't even eat. I don't need watermelon. I don't need fish. I don't understand this misailim. They have, they have, they have, they have, what's it called? They have a mun and they're complaining. I never went through that. I don't have a taiva for food. So I don't have that struggle muscle. And if I didn't go through that, I cannot, I cannot understand them. You can only understand someone who went through the same thing you did. So he said, you need a new leader here. Because this situation that they're in right now, I don't, I, don't have, I, I, don't, I don't understand them. And if I don't understand them, you need a new leader. You can't have two leaders at one time. So Hashem, kill me. And give them a leader that understands them. I don't understand them. Because I don't have that struggle muscle. I didn't go through that. I had a case this week, one of the most severe cases that I've ever dealt with. Um, where a hospital for eating disorders, a very famous hospital, allowed a girl um, to leave for nine hours to actually come to speak to me, which is the biggest compliment I could ever get because I'm not a therapist. And for a hospital on that level to allow a girl to come speak to a rabbi, I'm not a rabbi, but they think I'm a rabbi, I'm a rebbe, Right? But for them to give a, a leave doesn't exist. doesn't exist. The reason they did that was because she was so anorexic um, and doesn't eat at all and doesn't follow orders at all. Um, and le- two weeks ago, I spoke to her on the phone for the first time, and she started behaving after that. So they saw that her behavior was different after she spoke to me. So they gave her a leave Sunday to come speak to me. So this girl came to me. Extremely, extremely anorexic. And I said to her, listen, this is what you got to do. The next two weeks, you got to get better. You got to start eating a little bit. And when you get to a weight that they'll let you out, I'll take you into my ranch. You'll be in my ranch. The horses, I'll tell you something else about the ranch. just happens to be today. Um, so I was there today. 
And this morning, on my way up, I was driving up, I got a phone call from someone who works for me, and she went yesterday, she landed this morning, she went yesterday to, to see one of our girls um, in a rehab, drug rehab. And this gorgeous, gorgeous place, it only has like a certain amount of girls, but they take insurance, so there's a lot of money involved, and she's in this gorgeous mansion, I'm not going to say where, but facing the ocean, gorgeous mansion, and my, the person who works for me went to see her there. She was so impressed by the house, uh, by the therapist, by the warmth, by the caring. And she called me up this morning. She called me to tell me. And then all of a sudden her voice changed. She goes, Hey, Wallstein, I am still shaking. I'm like, you just said everything was so beautiful. She goes, yeah, why don't you hear the second half of the story? Okay. She said, I, I went to the kitchen. Because I was talking to the therapist, you know, the kitchen also, the cook talks to the girls also. She goes, went to the kitchen, and um, this young chef is in there, a woman, and I'm talking to her, and she says, I'm, I'm, I'm making dinner. Would you like some? She goes, it's not kosher, right? She goes, no, not really. She says, and this lady has a big chicken, right? She's about to put it in the oven, and she's smearing it in butter. Smearing it in butter. And then she took dried pork and sprinkled it all over. I mean, that's the dish, whatever it is. And she says, oh, my God, my, my girl is going to eat this. Our girl is going to eat this. Chazer butter on top of chicken. She said, I, just, I, I had to leave. I got sick. You know, and I went over to, to the girl that's there, whatever it is, and she, she said, I, I, got, I, I can't, I can't, I, I, I can't know that our girl is going, about to eat this. And that's what she's been eating. She's been eating chazatreif. Chazatreif. Butter, chicken, chazer, which, which I know that at the end of the day, that, that, that non-kosher food is metamta misalev. So no matter how much we're going to fix your head, but if you're eating non-kosher while we're fixing your head, your, your soul and your heart cannot be fixed. Cannot. I asked the Shail a few weeks ago, what happens if this Pekuch Nefesh, someone's about to jump off a bridge, and you, and they say, if you give me a cheeseburger, I won't jump. So you know Pekuch Nefesh, right? You have to give her a cheeseburger. So now you're giving her the cheeseburger to save her life. The Chaybahem is a mitzvah, right? To save her life. Is, does that cheeseburger that's saving her life, is that mitamtim mitzalev? Does that affect her soul negative? Because that cheeseburger is what saved the life. So it's sort of a mitzvah. The Chaybahem. So that's the big rub. She's Matamtam Salev. Even though it saves her life, it's treif. It's still treif. It doesn't become, the Kuch Nefesh doesn't make the burger kosher. It, what? What does it do? I think halachically, I think halachically you're wrong. I think halachically he has a heter to be doicha, doicha as Shabbos. Doicha as Shabbos means that it pushes away Shabbos, but it's not keeping Shabbos. You have a heter to be doicha Shabbos. Yeah. It doesn't affect your neshama. The guy who's doing, I'm talking about the girl who's eating it. I'm not, to, I'm not talking about the guy who's, the Hatzala guy, but it affects his nefesh. He has a mitzvah to do that. 
The guy who's giving you the burger has the mitzvah, but the burger is treif. I asked him a very big rub, and he said, that treif is metamtum asalev. Anytime you eat treif, it's metamtum asalev. On Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, if you have to eat a Yom Kippur, to, right? It's not metamtum asalev, it's not treif. So even though you're being machalo Yom Kippur, like Shabbos, being machalo Yom Kippur, that's not hurting your neshama. But, but giving someone chazer on Yom Kippur to eat, the chazer will affect the neshama. I asked the Shiloh, that's what I got back as an answer, from a very big person. Again, I'm not talking about Hatzalah, I'm not talking about Shabbos. I'm talking about, if you eat chazer, it's going to affect you. How do you know that? You know, you know that from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, they asked the Shiloh, why did, he, why did Hashem burn his tongue out like that? What they could have done is, when he came to the, the, the test could have been the crown and a ball. If he takes the crown, that means he wants to be king. And you, they're going to kill him. If he takes the ball, he's okay. Why a crown and hot coals? So because that one drop of milk hit his, hit his tongue. But they try to nurse him. had to be burnt out. Mashma has an effect. Said the mouth, it's going to talk Torah and give Torah and Harsin. I can't have trafe on it. So Hashem burnt it out. Whatever, whatever that means. Whatever that means. Anyway, so she was, she was. I guess if I was sitting there and I was watching this woman put butter on the chicken and then putting chazer and know that the plate is going to my babe, my girl over here, that's my from girl that you do whatever, I would also be pretty sick. So anyway, why am I telling you the story? So I'm listening to this as I'm going up to the ranch. I get to the ranch, and one of the girls, happens to be that the girls that are up there, they're, they're very from whatever. Um, it's not open just for from girls, but it happens to be. She comes over to me when I get there. She goes, well, I'll say, can I ask you something? I'm like, sure, anything you want. She said, the, the broccoli, is it checked? I'm like, yeah, it's frozen broccoli from Bodek. You sure it's like frozen? I'm like, I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to check out the freezer to make sure that it's checked. What about the frozen strawberries? The frozen strawberries, like, because my father, I'm like, frozen strawberries has an OU. I buy frozen strawberries, whatever it is. So, okay, okay. I just, want, I just wanted to make sure. And I'm like, eh, eh. So I went into the kitchen. Right, my first stop before I went even to the therapist, went to the kitchen. I opened the refrigerator, haolam cheese, chalvisrol milk, and I'm just looking at this fridge. It's like all chalvisrol, everything's chalvisrol, everything is bodek. I opened the freezer, everything's bodek, everything's alley processing, and I'm like, I just want to thank you, Hashem, for this fridge. It's like miles and miles away. I have a girl who's eating chicken with butter and chazer on it, and up here we have. Girls that are worried that there are bugs, and it's just—it's just—it gave me such a today, such a chizuk to be there today. Just forget the ranch, forget everything else that I saw. Just look at the refrigerator, and I went around the house kissing all the mezuzahs. I said, "It's amazing. It's a struggle. We're financially, it's a big struggle. It's, it's a big on that. It's a much bigger undertaking than I ever dreamt. It's costing us like over eighty thousand dollars a month." It's like a million dollars a year. I never, never dreamt that. But the horses and the therapists and everything else that you have to do, and the mortgages and everything else, it's, a, it's another strain once, once again, but wow. It's worth a billion dollars. Just to have the growth. We have a bunch of growth up there right now. Shabbos. 
Also, yeah, one of the girls, her complaint was she wants more Zmiris. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. She says, yeah, they didn't really sing, because we have, we have a family up there. Said, he, didn't, he didn't really sing a lot of Zmiris. I'm like, I'll take that, I'll, I'll tell him. <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe it's Vatora. And maybe, may, and, 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 and could you come up and learn with us like for two hours? We don't know exactly what we should learn. I'm like, I think maybe we'll do a lesson a day, whatever it is. Because so, one of the counselors, I guess, is Lababish, and she wants to learn Tanya with them. And they're like, no, we're not ready for Tanya. Like, Just this whole discussion that's going on here. Like, God's got to be like, what? The whole discussion, what they're talking about. It's like, not normal. Well, Hashem was a, you go up there, everything's good. Anyway, where was I before I went off the channel? Um, so we're talking about this whole, this whole, um, so, so, so he felt, Moshe Rabbeinu, that I, I don't understand them. I, I, don't understand, I cannot understand that they're complaining that they want watermelon and they want fish. I, I don't have that taiva. I don't have that need. I never went through that. I never needed it. So Hashem, I can't be the leader anymore because I don't understand their pain. And if I don't understand their pain, I can't be their therapist. I can't carry them. I can't anymore. And that's why he, he wanted to drive them outside of the other reason that everybody talks about, and that is Kafri Taif. I mean, you're getting mon. You never get anything free in Mitzrayim. You're getting mon. It tastes like anything. What are you doing? What are you doing? Then Moshe Abbeinu, when someone's Kafri Taif, I have to tell you that, you know, in all the stuff that we do, my teachers, my teachers' hardest problem teaching in my schools, in, in BCA and these other schools, is when the girl that you help so much ends up not, appre- not only not appreciating it, but, but, but hurting you. It's very hard as a human being. It, if you do something for someone and they appreciate you, it's very, easy to, it's very easy to do things for people if they appreciate it, really. Even if you don't need the appreciation, it just, it just makes it easy. But when you do things for people and they just throw it in your face, it's just so hard to deal with. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu, I got you the man, I got into Hashem, I got you the man who... And, and you're throwing it back in my face and you want fish? You want garlic? And you want cucumbers? I mean, give me a break. And that was, that's, that automatically made the load on Moshe Rabbeinu so much heavier. He said, if they had a coastal type, I could, I could handle them. But Hiresa, what, what, they're, they're being evil. They're evil. What's the evil part? The evil part is, is, is not having a coastal type. I'll tell you, that's what happened by Adam and Hashem. That's why we, 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 we die, and that's why we go to Afar, and that's why we go through everything we went through, because he was, if he would have just said the woman who gave you to eat from the tree, he would have said the, the woman, Hashem would have forgiven him. But when he said the woman that you gave me, he threw it back in God's face, the ice cream you gave me, I smeared it all over my shirt, who told you to give me the ice cream? He did the ice cream to eat it, now you're throwing it, you're throwing it back at me? So that's, that's why he got punished. Coffee tight is like the worst thing. And over here, they were openly coffee tight. All right, so that's and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu just just unraveled. No, they was they were scared. What they did in Kafri Tov was they did was they did in lack of a Muna. Their Avera was lack of a Muna. Okay, so there's giants. Okay, so Hashem did everything for you. What what are you scared of? It wasn't it wasn't a Kafri Tov. It wasn't throwing it back in his face. They're saying, we're scared to go there. We don't, we're, we're, we don't, we, we're, they came back and they said, we, don't, we, we, can't, we can't do this. We, we're not going to win. That's what they said. They didn't say the land. You'll never see that they said the land was bad. 
until some Mepharshim on this. In the whole Pasha's Shlach, they never came back. Not one word did they say, but the land's bad. They said, the land eats its own inhabitants. People are dying because of Eov. That was the whole thing with Eov. But the, we, we, they're giants, and they're, we can't we can't fight them. We're going to lose. They didn't say the land's bad. Hashem is bad. They just colored their report in such a way that the Jews would not go in. They never said the land's bad. Read the, read the whole Hopasha Shlach. You're not going to see it. Let's look, let's look inside. You'll see. They never said the land is bad. Here, look. Look at their report. It's a land that eats its own um, inhabitants because everybody was dying that day. They were burying everybody that day. Everyone's a giant. And we saw the giants and we were like little teeny, to, uh, what's it called? We were little teeny um, ants, uh, uh, grasshoppers. We cannot capture Israel because they're stronger than us. They didn't say anything bad about Israel. Well, they didn't say anything bad about Israel. They just said we can't do it. It wasn't a coffee time. Like, what, we don't want it. They just said we're going to lose. That's what worked. Right, so that's, but that, they didn't say that. So they painted this picture... Because they were scared, they were going to lose. That was the reason. That was the reason behind it. That was why they were in a gea bedava. And the reason that cult, that Yahushua could not say one word, because when they came back, the one that defended the land was Kalev. By Yahas Kalev. Why don't Yeshua get up and say, "I'm the next leader," and it's not true what they said. We can do this because they they would have said, "Yahushua, you you want us to go into the land because." We know from Eldad and Maid that the minute you go into the land, Moshe's going to die. You're going to become the leader. So you're in a game, Adela. You want us to go in, so you're lying. Because you, you want to become the new leader. So he couldn't say one word. He sure didn't say one word. There's a huge question. There's a huge question. The question is, if Moshe Rabbeinu had to give Yehoshua, he was Hoshea ben Nun, Right? And he had to give him a yud, right, to give him chizuk. That means that he knew the Muraglim were going to say bad. So why did he send them? The bomb question, by the way. It's a big question. It says, when he sends him, what does it say? Uh, so, if he knew that, why did he let them go? Right? I, I saw a few answers on it. Here. It was Moshe's prayer. So it says that Moshe davened, Moshe Beno, his follow all of, Moshe davened for him, Yoshiacha mi etzas miraglim. You should be saved from the etz of the miraglim. So Moshe Beno knew the miraglim were going to talk bad, and Yoshua 
he prayed that Yeshua should be saved, why did he send him? If he had to give a bracha to his Talmud, you should be saved from the rest of the Moraglam, so he knew the rest of the Moraglam were going to talk bad. A further difficulty with Moshe's prayer, it implies that Moshe was suspicious of the spies before they left, since he prayed for Yeshua to be saved from the advice of the other spies. If Moshe, if Moshe Abeno suspected that the spies were going to sin, why did he send them on their mission? Good question. So he says here that Moshe <coughs> Rabbeinu davened for all of them. He davened for all of them. Because he knew that something could go wrong. But he davened additionally for Yeshua because he was his Talmud. And therefore, oh, now you think what he says here. The Gur Aryeh says this. The Gur Aryeh says, he, why did he daven specifically for Yeshua more than anyone else? Because if Yehoshua would sin, would come back with a bad report, it would say, Yehoshua is Moshe Rabbeinu's student. So that must be that's what Moshe Rabbeinu agrees with. If his student is saying that, so it must be that, that that's what Moshe Rabbeinu taught him. And Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want anyone to think that Chathashom, he had that. So he had to have a special protection for his Talmud because the Talmud represents the Rebbe. If he misbehaves, then it makes look like that the Rebbe also, that the Rebbe also uh, believes in that. Now, it's just very interesting that... Um, wow. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this book, but I'm not going to... I'm in this book, and I have little pieces, but I didn't, I didn't put it together yet, about spiritual DNA. So the... the I think it's a Klayoka. Klayoka writes, unbelievable. He says, why did he specifically... Listen to how, how far spiritual DNA goes. He said, why did he specifically pray to protect Yehoshua? Because Yehoshua, right, was from which Shevet? Ephraim? Manasha, Ephraim. Mate Ephraim Hoshea ben Nun. He was from Ephraim. Who is Ephraim from? Yosef HaTzadik. What was one of the Averis that Yosef HaTzadik did? He spoke Lashon Hara on his brothers. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, that since you come from Yosef HaTzadik, and Yosef HaTzadik has in his DNA that he spoke Lashon Hara, so I'm scared that you are going to speak Lashon Hara about Eretz Yisrael, we need a special bracha. You see the spiritual DNA from, he was, Moshe Rabbeinu was worried that the spiritual DNA from Yosef, who spoke Lashon Hara and his brothers, would come out all these years later in Yehoshua when he goes to Eretz Yisrael. You want a bigger proof of spiritual DNA? You're not going to get a bigger proof of spiritual DNA. It's a huge proof of spiritual DNA. Okay. Um, there's two more things I'd like to talk about. What? He said he gave them all bracha. He was worried about everyone. But, he, but they, wanted, they wanted to go. He asked Hashem. Hashem didn't say you should. Hashem said if you want, you could. So he was worried. So he gave them all a bracha. But he gave Yeshua an extra bracha. Because number one, he was his Talmud representing him. So if he goes off to Derech, they're all pointing at Moshe Rabbeinu. And number two, he had this DNA of Lashon Hara from Yosef. Kalev actually went to... I never really understood. I didn't have time really this week. Maybe, maybe I'll do it the rest of the week. What it says that with Kalev, a ruach went. Ruach acheres. 
a ruach went with him. So it brings down the ruach that went with him was the Avais Abuseinu because you see that the first place he went before he went traveling, he went to um, he went to Marzamachpela. That's why he got that in his nachal. He went first to Dami. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu gave everyone a bracha, he went to get an extra. Right. That was the ruach that went with him. Alright. Um, sometimes, this question was asked of me this week. Sometimes, people who are preaching wrong things are successful. And the question that's asked is, if the things they're preaching is wrong, then it's sheker. And if it's sheker, how could it be successful? The question that was presented to me this week. Again, what? Because sheker has no legs, it can't be successful. How can it be successful? It's a trap. I don't, 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 we're not. We're we're on. We're online. What? No, but no. In other in other words, there there. There are a lot of, there's a lot of things going on, reform, the ladies at the wall, all these other, there's a lot of things, and they seem to be pretty successful, and they have a lot of followers, and, and, and you know, sometimes good things, not from that, that specifically, but sometimes good things come out of it. So, if good things come, in other words, if the product is positive, then it must be the production is correct. So, my best story is, Let's take ISIS, okay? ISIS believes when they're killing people, they say Allah, they believe they're doing it for God, and they're pretty successful at what they're doing, right? Killing a lot of people. And they believe they were sold by someone that when they come to the next world, they get Ghanaian. How, 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 how do you do that? How do you sell someone that by killing other people, you're going to get Ghanaian? And you see that there are some people that have certain drachim that are not correct. And, the, and they have a, they, 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 once in a while, there's a good product. So if it's not correct, how can you have a good product? So there's a, a very, very famous story. And we're really, we're really already touching into Kairach a little bit because this is really sort of like Kairach had a following. And he, he didn't use, when you learn Kairach, you think he had a bunch of dummies that were off the derech. No, 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 no. These were big, 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 big people. Kairach was a big person. And the 250 people that followed him were the Rosh Yavos, the heads, the, the, the big people. So, 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 how can they be fooled? So, there's a story. I've said it before, but I think it's a very important story. And I told these people this, the answer, you know, they're like, but Rabbi Wallstein, but look, but Rabbi Wallstein, but, but if you were right, like, look, but how could this, how could that be successful and this be successful? How could that be? How could that be? So I said, you know what? I'm going to learn with you something from the Avos Chaim and Pasha Shlach, this week's Pasha, which, which is a very fascinating story, but it, it, it also teaches us a good lesson. It's what you said, but I don't want to say it in that way. He says, Pamachad, there was once a Yehudi, a Jew, who was traveling, and he came to a city, 
in the, in the land of Kedar. And he had to travel from there to another city. But between Kedar and the other city, there were murderers and robbers, and he knew that if he takes his money with him, he's going to be, they're going to they're rob him. They're going to steal from him. So he had a lot of money, and he was scared to go with it. Matashem goes up and he found an old, honest non-Jew. He said, "In if you would watch my money, I will pay you a percentage of the money I'm giving you if you watch it until I get back. And this seemed to be a very honest old non-Jew. Okay? Because he had no choice. He didn't want to travel with it. They're going to steal everything. So the guy took it. After two months, he was away for two months. After two months, he came back to this place to get back his money. Amalo, the people of the town told the Jew, Yesterday, this old man that you gave the money to, he, he, he was burnt alive. There was an amount in there was a fire, like a, like a volcano. Everyone knew that whether you were a man or a woman, when you reach, scary for me because I'm about to be 60, right? When you reach your 60th birthday, I'm glad I don't live in that town. They would jump into the fire, commit suicide. Everybody in the town, you hit 60, you jump into the fire, you commit suicide. And they would burn to a crisp. And after three days, they would come out of the fire, alive, and go home. Everyone knew that. So, everybody jumped in when they were 60. And then when they come back out of the fire, after three days, they'll tell them what they should do. They'll give them all the instructions, all the people in their family, what to do. And they go, they go back into the fire and they don't come back. So, you're 60 years old, you jump into the fire, three days later you come out, right, and, and, um, and you tell your family what they need to do and that's it. So they told him, in if you want to meet the old man that you gave the money to, come back, he's gone already today, and today's the second day, come back tomorrow, the third day, he's going to be there. The Jew was like, no, 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 I just lost my money. <laughs> this guy's not coming back. We jumped to a fire. He's not coming back. How could it be that after a person gets burned to a crisp, you come, then he's going to get up and show up. Can't happen. But he had no choice. So Yosef Shem, he remained there. He the Makras by Haggai. The next day, the guy shows up. The guy he gives the money to. I'm a lawyer, Yehudi. Tell me, I said, Picardine. He said, Give me back my money. I'm a lawyer. I'll give you back your money. Take it, baby. Where's the of Shalom? He gave him back his money. He jumped into the fire three days later. He came back. He's giving me back the money. Oh, yeah. so, so this Jewish guy, he's like, this, this, I, 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 I know what's going on in this world. This is not. There's no together for Mason again. It's impossible. And then he sees the old man sit with his whole family together. He tells them each one who's going to get which money, how he's going to split the will, everything. And who they owe money to. 
who people, which people owe their money. And the people were writing everything down. And when he finished speaking, he kissed his wife, his bunup, and his children. And he left. What? So this is what happens. So when the guy left his house, the Jew ran after him. Where are you going? He's going to, to the next world. I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you leave. You gotta tell me what's going on over here. You gotta tell me what's going on here. I know there's no kiss amazing. This is impossible. This is the meaning of the city. Whether you're a man or a woman, when you hit 60, if you throw yourself into the fire, because you threw yourself into the fire, you don't have to go to hell. So everybody does it. They spend the three days in the fire. They come home, and they're free of, 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 of Gehenna. Like ISIS. You're going straight to Gan And after three days, you come back and you tell the family what to do. Yehudi, the Jewish man, said, I'm a Jew. I don't believe you. This is not true. Okay. Jewish guy. I'll follow you. Since you're going to Gan Eden, I'll follow you. I'll walk with you till you get to Gan Eden. But near him, let's see if it's true. Oh, my lawyer is okay. So he said, he said, listen, old man, Yehudi, oh, my lawyer is the old man said to him, Yehudi, Jew, don't follow me because it's not going to be good for you. The Jew didn't want to hear him and he went after him. He said to him, to the old man, How do you have Tchilas and Mason after three days? By the time Yatzel and Midbar, they continued walking into the desert. When the guy saw, they came to the mirror, he said, Yehudi, listen to me. He says, me, can't get out of here. My hair, fash. You're in a very dangerous place. Don't follow me, because I'm not human. To take a little love, and he re- revealed himself, Shua Satan. That he was a Satan, and he's the angel of death. The Jew began to shake in his place. What do you do when you think you're done? He started to say, What did you do that, that Shemayim is screaming at me that you have to be protected? Like, I can't hurt you. I'm the Malcham of the Sultan. I can't hurt you. What did you do? He said, He was very careful, this person. He never spoke. If you didn't have that protection, I would kill you right in this place. I will only reshift and not give me permission. So now that the Jew, the Sultan told him that he can't hurt him, so he said, why are you doing this? It's disgusting what you're doing. Why are you doing this? So the, the, the guy would jump into the fire, die, and then the Sutton would come back three days later and put this whole show on. And that way he got all these people to commit suicide. And they didn't know. 
that it was really the Satan that came back. So he said to them, why are you doing this? When God created Gehenim, on the Tanai that I would bring to, him, to Gehenim all the Risham. And in this land of Kedar, Kulam Risham, they're all Risham. They're all very bad people. I came to fool them. That they throw themselves into this fire. To destroy them. I need them to believe in it. So I change myself to look like that person. And after three days, I do what you just told me do. Now get out of here. So what do we learn from this story? And a person who watches what his mouth says, and he doesn't say Lashon Hara, he's protected even from the Malacham That's the end of the story. How much we have to be careful from the Chachamim, to be careful never to talk Lashon Hara, because this Pasha, of course, Pasha B'Shalach, Shachlacha, and... and um, and the last week's Pasha, the end, where Miriam spoke Lashon Hara on, on um, Moshe Rabbeinu, are both based on, on, on talking Lashon Hara. But one of the other things that we learn from this is that the Satan will make certain successes and not be makatrig on, on those situations. So they should be successful so other people should see that and follow that and fall into the same hole. Exactly what he did over here. So not always does success prove that what they're doing is correct. And we learned in the, in the Kabayasha that he even allows people to do tshuva, right? He stops bothering you in a certain Avera, and you're like, wow, I, I beat the Avera. And what he's trying to, what he's doing is he's letting you do mitzvahs, mitzvahs, mitzvahs. Then he makes you fall and he takes all your mitzvahs. He's a character. He's a character. All right. The, we'll end with this. So the end of last week's Pasha is Miriam. And Miriam spoke, Miriam and Alma spoke Lashon Hara. Two seconds. And Avram, on, on Moshe Rabbeinu. The beginning of this Pasha is Pasha Shlach. So Rashi asked, why, are, why is Pasha Shlach and Pasha's, why, why are these two Pashas right next to each other? The Pasha of Meraglim is right next to the Pasha of Miriam. What does Rashi say? Loma Nisla Pasha's Meraglim the Pasha's Miriam. Why is the Pasha Miraglim next to Pasha's Miriam? The Fisha Luxal is the Divisha Because she got Taras. She spoke Lashon on her brother. Risham Halalu. Ro'um Aloy Lachum Musr. So the Kasha is, boys, what Rashi should have said is why are these two Pashas next to each other? Miriam spoke Lashon Hara on her brother. And the Maraglin spoke Lashon Hara on Eretz Yisrael. Is that what Rashi says? Rashi says, Risham Halalu, Ro'u, Musr. They saw it, and they didn't take Musr. What Rashi is saying here is an important lesson to all of us. Then what was the Aveira of the Maraglin? That they saw what Miriam did. And they saw the punishment for Miriam, and they didn't learn a lesson. That's the bad thing. In other words, 
if you see something bad and you see someone get punished for it, like what happened with Miriam, the worst thing you could do is to see that situation, understand that situation, and not take that situation to yourself and learn Muslim. What Rashi's saying here is, the Avera of the Muraglim, the main Avera of the Muraglim, is how could you not learn a lesson? How could you turn a deaf ear and a blind eye? You see what just happened. Why didn't you learn a lesson? You didn't see him. You should have learned a lesson. So if something happens, at least if it's wrong, you learn a lesson from it. You didn't even learn a lesson from it. And one of the things that happened over here is that they saw the giants. They saw the giants. Again, where did it come from? Again, not everything. That's one shot that they, they didn't want to lose their job. But what were they so busy with the giants? Very busy. The whole thing. They're busy with the Anakim, the giants. And, what were they busy with the giants? So I saw a beautiful shot that they were saying, from a firm point of view, from Yetzirah, listen to this, this God words. They were saying like this. Until now, we're totally ruthless. We had mun. We didn't plant anything. Everything came from Shemayim. Right? We had that. Nani HaKavoy. What did they do for... What did they do? Right? What did they do all the time? What were they doing all day? They were learning. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to build houses. They didn't have to clean clothing. We were all clean in the... In the so, they were learning. So, when they went into the land... And they saw fruit that was so huge and such a physical land. They were very worried that leaving their spiritual realm and going to becoming a farmer and going to no more mon, eating regular food, that they were going to fall in their wuchnis to such a bad level. So that's what their taina for was. We're not coming to Polishan Har and Israel. Guys, until now we're learning shit. We're sitting learning all day. You want to go work? You want to start building houses and paving roads and, and, and planting food? Like, we're going to lose all our ruchnias. And we can prove it to you. What's our proof? This this you never heard in your life. What's our proof? The giants. How are the giants a proof? Who are the giants? The two malachim, they were called the Nephilim. And when, when the world was, the Pasha when the world was sinning, they said to Hashem, destroy the world. Look at the human being. Look, 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 look at the bad creation you made. And God said, really? You think I made a bad creation? You would not be any better. And they said, what are you talking about? We are angels. Of course we'd be better. And Hashem took the two angels and he threw them down to this world. They were called the Nephilim. They were thrown out. These two angels started messing around with every woman and they, they got these women pregnant and because they, were, they came from angels, the children that were born were giants. You hear the answer? So the Muradlin came back to Israel and said, look what happened to spiritual beings when you put them in the physical realm. Malachim. You see these guys? These giants? You know where they're from? They're from Malachim who couldn't control themselves in the, because it, Hashem took them from the spiritual realm, put them in the physical realm, they fell into, not only become humans, they became the worst humans in the world. What came from them? 
these giants, these giants, is the proof that we should not go into Israel. That's why they spoke about the giants the whole time. They're the proof that we're going to go into Israel, we're going to end up like them. We're going to end up becoming big Risham. Right now we're spiritual beings, then we're going to become big Risham. What was their mistake? Maybe they're right. What was their mistake? The mistake was that the whole human being, the job of the human being, is not to be in a spiritual state. We're not malachim. It's to be able to plant in Eretz Yisrael, Lechet, Shecha, Peya, Maisa, Shemitah. That's what the Torah is all about. So, just the opposite. Our job is to take the physical realm and make it spiritual. And they didn't want to go into the physical realm. They wanted to stay in the spiritual realm. And that was their mistake. And that was part of their mistake. Should be Zoichet to go back to Eretz Yisrael, the Eretz Yisrael that the who promised us to see Mashiach and take the physical and spiritual state and bring them back together by building the base of Midrash from here via You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.